Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Draft day has come and gone, and what a haul the Hornets have brought in, selecting Brandon Miller, number two overall, leading this class that hopefully will will lead the Hornets into the postseason this coming season and beyond to future glory. It's an exciting, exciting day. Later on today, uh, you'll have a chance to hear from, meet some of these Hornets draft picks. will be available at Spectrum Center and introduced to their new city and uh, get right to work getting ready for Summer League, which begins roughly, what, a week away from today? It's going to be a very fast timeline, but a very exciting time indeed for the Charlotte Hornets. We've got a great podcast for you ready to break down Draft Day. Joining us from Hornets.com, senior writer and a frequent guest here on the HHC, Sam Purley. Hello, thank you for having me. And my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, as well as the producer of this fine podcast, Rob Longo. Happy to be here. Probably one of the freshest podcasts you're going to hear from us because as I look at the clock and we record this, we're approaching about 1.30 in the morning. So hopefully everybody listening to this is a lot more bright-eyed and bushy-tailed than we will be in the morning. I'm feeling great. I'm on my second energy drink. I am very, very excited. Plus, the level of picks that have been brought into the Hornets has me excited as well. But yes, this is a very fresh podcast for everyone as we are post-draft night and into the day after draft morning here. Uh, let's lead things off with the player that led off the draft for the Charlotte Hornets, Brandon Miller. He goes number two overall by most experts' opinions. This was a three-player elite tier, if you will, uh, players that are expected to become all-stars. Hornets had their pick of two of them at number two. Here is the man who made that pick, Mitch Kupchak, talking about what he liked and what eventually made Brandon Miller the pick for the Charlotte Hornets at number two. Well, by taking him two, I think that speaks the world of what I think of him. Okay, and and I know there were other choices, right? But this kid is a dynamic wing, right? He's got great size. He's got great athletic ability. In our league, shooting the ball is a premium. Um, you'll see him rebound the ball. You'll see him bring it up the court. You, you'll see him make right-handed, left-handed passes. You know, you'll see him attack the rim. Like I said, one of the better shooters in the draft already, you know, as the outgoing freshman. In our league, you know, to get a player like that, we think he has a chance to be a heck of a player. Guys, this is really an elite, elite talent. And you look at some of the numbers that stand out from a phenomenal, phenomenal one-and-done season at Alabama. Uh, you see an elite shooter shot 38% from three. See a guy who averaged 18.8 points and 8.2 rebounds per game leading Alabama, who is a very good collegiate basketball program, but is 
rarely the number one team in the country, which is basically what they were entering the NCAA tournament. Uh, he was able to turn them into that in his lone season in the NCAA. Very good outside shooter, can play multiple positions. We talked, Sam Perley and I, to head coach Steve Clifford after the pick was made uh, about what he can bring. He talked about being able to defend, play two through four, maybe even one through four in the future. You heard some of the accolades there from Mitch Kupchak as well. Just uh, Overall, a 6'9 player that has the skill set that this guy does, that's rare, even in the NBA. In my opinion, I think the Hornets hit a home run with this pick. Yeah, for starters, I'll say how nice it is to finally be able to say these guys' names. We've been having to kind of talk around the draft a little bit and tiptoe with the terminology the last few weeks. So it is great to say Brandon Miller, Charlotte Hornet, they got their guy. Uh, I, I couldn't agree with more of you. I think the Hornets hit a home run with this pick. I know it was a very spirited debate, maybe a little bit at two. I think, you know, and, and when you're picking that high in the draft, I think there is going to be uh, enthusiasm because you want to get it right. There's obviously a lot of talent players I think you know it, it makes the decision so much harder because you're rarely in that position so you want to get it right but I think it's I think it just circles back to something I've read kind of along in this process I think it was Jonathan Gavoni had a great line from ESPN said it's so rare to find guys like Brandon Miller I mean just six nine guys that can shoot that can defend that can rebound I mean, he was the second best defensive rebounder in the SEC last year I mean he, he's close to 40% from three-point range. He can score at all three levels, um, not only defends, but has an energy to defend and an enthusiasm to defend, um, height, wingspan. I mean, I think the guy is an absolute total package. I think he adds needs to add a little bit of weight. That's pretty normal for 19-year-old or 20-year-old, but um, I think this is a, a this is the this is the kind of guy that NBA teams want right now. They want long, lengthy, versatile wings, and that's what Brandon Miller is. And as you mentioned, there's always things that you have to add on to any 19-year-old's game or 20-year-old's game. That That's the nature of the business. But Rob Longo, when you look at the level of accomplishment for Brandon Miller, and this is not always the case. Sometimes due to injuries or absences, players are drafted in the top three, top five who don't have a body of work like I'm about to read off, but still are drafted very high. Some go on to great success. Sometimes uh, it's something that they don't ever realize the potential that they're seen to have. But in Brandon Miller, you have a player who is the first player in SEC history to win SEC Player of the Year, Freshman of the Year, Tournament MVP in the same season, a first-team All-American. He led the SEC in three-pointers made and points per game as a six-foot-nine freshman. These are things that don't go together very often. So, you, yes, you have the, the high level of talent. He was a top 10 recruit coming out of high school going in to that 2022 recruiting class. So, obviously, he was thought very highly of as an athlete and as a potential player, but then continued to rise and get better. And what he was able to accomplish on the floor, uh, it's second to none in this draft class. Granted, other players went different routes and did very, very well on those. But from the college ranks, Brandon Miller was clear the best player in this group. Well, no, he's the freshman of the year. That, that just shows you right there that it doesn't get much better than that, considering that the two picks in front, or the only pick in front of him, and the pick behind him weren't even in the NCAA last year. So, I mean, the thing that I keep going back to, and the thing that I keep looking at here, is the three-point percentage. He shot 38.4% from beyond the arc last year in college. Comparing that to some of the numbers for the Hornets, the guy that had the best three-point percentage in terms of smaller sample size would have been Svi Mikhailuk. He shot a little bit over 40%, but he only played in 19 games. Brandon Miller played in what ended up being 37 games last year. 
very good comparison here, is a guy like LaMelo Ball. LaMelo played in 36 games last year. We obviously know because uh, know about the injuries and why he didn't play as many games. But LaMelo Ball shot 37.6% from beyond the arc last year. And I know that, obviously, the three-point line is a little bit longer than it is in college, so I'm not expecting Brandon Miller to come in here and shoot 38, 39, 40% from three right away. But... At the same time, when you have a guy like LaMelo Ball who is so athletic on offense and is so versatile and can make guys open just like that, that gives me a lot of hope for a guy like Brandon Miller who can come in here and just be a spot-up knockdown shooter on the wing that's going to have a lot of open looks from a guy like LaMelo Ball. I'm excited to see stuff like that. I'm excited to see Brandon Miller on a pick-and-roll game. I mean, he is a guy that in an era of positionless basketball – He's basically your prototype. He's a 6'9 wing that can move like a gazelle and can play one through four and is going to cause a lot of matchup problems. And he can guard one through four on the other side of the ball defensively as well. So I'm very excited for this pick. Looking forward to it. And of course, we'll get into our other draft selections that the Hornets had and how they kind of coincide and how they kind of all work together. But Brandon Miller obviously is that focal point at number two. One other stat that I had penciled in about speaking to how good of a shooter he is, he played 37 NCAA games in his freshman season, he missed multiple free throws in four. And he missed, they, there were two misses in each of those games. He went five for seven twice, four for six once, and three for five one time as well. So this is a very very good shooter who shot the ball extremely well from three. Uh, all the coaches we heard from and talked to about the workouts that he went through, uh, they said that this guy can just knock down shots at a level that you don't commonly see from a, a college player, period, and B, one that's six foot nine and has all the other intangibles that this guy has. Speaking of the draft workouts, uh, Brandon Miller was asked about you know what took place in his workout in Charlotte, what was it like the interactions with LaMelo Ball, with the coaching staff, with Michael Jordan. Here's what he had to say to the media about his workout in Charlotte. The feeling was definitely a great feeling. I feel like they, I think Mike and LaMelo made me feel like I was at home. So it just kind of played a part of um, you know, just getting drafted today. And hopefully this is the home for a decade plus. That's the plan when you draft someone in the top three, that they become a foundational piece to hopefully a championship contending and eventually winning team. And I think that's what the front office believes they have here in Brandon Miller. Yeah, absolutely. And to touch on the thing, I think the word that kind of keeps coming around here is the versatility. And I'm just excited. It sounds like Steve Clifford and Mitch Kupchak, too, is there's so many different ways you can use them. And a lot of it will kind of depend on how the roster shakes out uh, through free agency and you kind of look at long term. But, I mean, you can play him at three. You can play him at four in smaller lineups. You can play him at the two. Um, I think he could guard all four, one through four at some point. I mean, it's really um, exciting just the possibilities you have with Brandon Miller. I mean, you just the more you watch him and the more you see kind of the um, you know the highlights from Alabama and the things like that. It just you find yourself, wow, he can do that. Wow, he can do that. Wow, that looks really good. Wow, he can do that. And to be six nine and just have the skill set that he has. Um, you know, there's just not a lot of guys like this in the NBA. If he reaches his potential, and I think he's he's really, obviously, very, very talented. And I think he will. Um, I mean, he, there's an elite echelon of guys like him in the NBA. So, still has a lot of work to do to get to that point. But um, I, I think he's going to fit in so well here with Lamelo, uh, Mark Williams, the guys they already have. It kind of you're really starting to kind of shore up this this young core and, and make it really, really strong. So, 
yeah, I, I'll, I'll say it probably till I'm blue in the face until we can see him in summer league. I'm so excited. I'm excited he's here. I'm excited to see him play um, out in Las Vegas or Sacramento, I should say. So uh, can't come soon enough. Yeah, I, I I hesitate to talk about fit because sometimes when you start down that road, it leads people to assume that you sacrifice the talent for something else. But when you look at the talent board. I mean, Mitch Kupchak basically said we had this guy at the top of our board for what was available at number two. And when you look at some of the leading experts, we just spent all night watching the draft coverage on ESPN ABC. Their lead guy, Jay Billis, he had Brandon Miller number two on his big board. Kevin O'Connor, who we had on the podcast earlier uh, in the lead up to the draft, his big board for the ringer. Brandon Miller is number two. So the Hornets did not sacrifice anything in terms of top end talent to make this pick. But when you do look at fit, there's no sacrifice that necessarily has to be made in terms of another high end player who maybe matches the position. Uh, you know, Brandon Miller. Whether he matches someone's position or not seems to fit with everybody because of his versatility, because of the size, because of all the attributes that come with drafting a player like this. Uh, This is really an exciting pick, an exciting time for the city of Charlotte and for the Hornets franchise. Lots of other picks, though, were made on draft day. We're going to talk about some more of the acquisitions the Hornets made in the 2023 NBA draft as we roll along here on the Hornets Hivecast. Sam Farber, Rob Longo, Sam Purley here with you. Our post-draft day edition of the Hornets Hivecast just touched on Brandon Miller, number two overall selection by the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, And there were a couple other guys that were in Brooklyn for the draft that we got a chance to talk to, hear from after they were selected by the Charlotte Hornets that we want to talk about here on this edition of the HHC. Rob, let's start with the number 27 overall pick. That's Nick Smith Jr. from Arkansas. He's a player who had a really rough time with injuries in his lone season in college, another one-and-done guy. And, you know, the timing of the draft, it's always interesting in where it falls in a player's career. We're seeing so many guys come out so early that you're doing a lot of projecting to begin with. But had it been a situation where he could have come directly out of high school and you could project even further down the road, had he done that, there's a very real chance he would have been a top-five pick based off how highly he was rated. As it turns out, with all the injuries, he ends up falling to 27. According to Mitch Kupchick, though, uh, he would not have lasted nearly that long had they had you know access to, to pick him even earlier. They were a bit surprised to see him still there, and the fact that he did last that long uh, might leave him with a bit of a chip on his shoulder looking towards his initial year and his NBA future. I'm coming in with a big chip for sure, um, but also understanding, you know, this this game is a business, and I understand all that, and, you know, Charlotte was willing to, you know, take a chance on me. And, uh, you know, my trust is in Charlotte right now. And, um, you know, I'm very, you know, thankful that, you know, they believed in me. And, um, you know, I'm just ready to get to work. We're always in this age of who got to steal the draft, who was to steal the draft. I mean, Nick Smith is an early, early candidate when it comes to that. Yeah, he had missed 19 games at Arkansas last year because of a knee injury, but he said that's not going to be an issue anymore. He's 100%. Mitch Kupchak, after the draft yesterday, said that everything's checked out in terms of the medical stuff. But when he played, I mean, he was something else. I go back and I look at the game that Arkansas played at Alabama. You can kind of probably figure out where I'm going with this. This was back on February 25th. Alabama won at 86-83, but Nick Smith played all 40 minutes in that game. He dropped 24 points, 
two or three from beyond the arc. Not a huge three-point shooter at the end of the day, but he was able to ball out. The fact that he played all 40 minutes is really impressive for me. And Brandon Miller, by the way, the guy across the street from him, uh, 24 points, 8 of 15 from the field. And coincidentally enough, him and Brandon Miller were AAU teammates on Bradley Beal's AAU team. So a little bit of familiarity there. But in terms of Nick Smith... The way that he plays, he's very explosive. He can get downhill. He's 6'5". He's got a lot of length on him as a guard, and he's not even 20 yet. He just turned 19 a couple months ago. He's another one of those guys that is very, very young. I really like this guy. I really think that this was a sense that maybe somebody got scared away because of that knee injury. I don't know, but if everything checked out, according to Mitch Kupchak, it's a great pick. It's basically maybe one of the steals in terms of a guy that they thought was going to be much, much higher. They had him going in the top 15, more or less, when Mitch Kupchak was asked about that after the draft. So, you know, based on the track record of Mitch Kupchak over the last two years, he found a guy in the second round that ended up being a steal in Bryce McGowan so far. So good there. So Nick Smith could be the other one to add to that as well. Yeah, I think this really could be something special. I mean, when you, when you take out the amount of time he missed for the injury and the games that were probably impacted by those uh, and focus on basically mid-February on when he started playing normal minutes consistently through the remainder of the schedule. It's not a huge sample size. It's only 10 games, but you see the scoring was there, 14.4 points per game, and more importantly, the shooting was there. He shot 36% from three in that span, and he had more than a steal per game, a clear sign that he was engaged and really effective on the defensive side of things as well. Size-wise, he checks a lot of boxes. Six foot five, 185 pounds, I think is what he was listed at in college. Uh, this is a guy who, again, had he been drafted directly out of high school, probably is at least a lottery pick, maybe a top five pick, uh, had he been available to come out in that class. And, and everyone was uh, based off the, the rules, though obviously he wasn't. But he lands to the Hornets at 27. A surprise, I think, to the front office that he was still there. Sam Perley, I only had a couple of names written down that I really liked. The reason Nick Smith wasn't there is because I had no reason to believe he would be available to Charlotte at 27. Yeah, it's interesting because I was watching the draft with you and you're kind of, um, you know, watching kind of the picks unfold, kind of getting in the early 20s and you're like, oh, still on the board. It's like, oh, Nick Smith is still there. You know, and you in your mind, you're kind of, it, it's a lot to kind of keep track of all these guys and you're wondering, why is he still there? So um, it was one of those things sometimes when a team really likes a guy and, you know, there were some surprises of guys that go higher than maybe you projected. It's going to cause guys that might have been in that range to fall a little bit. And then it's, it's not falling for one specific reason or another. It's just, it's a number thing so um to echo what you guys said yeah everything you know i I like what i've heard and and read about nick smith so far i think the size is really good six five 185 pounds wingspan is six eight which is really encouraging um looked like he played a little bit more off the ball at arkansas this past year anthony black looked to be uh who i think went six to orlando seemed to be kind of the primary lead ball handler um at Arkansas and uh, looking at the recruiting stuff, I mean, he was a top three consensus high school recruit. I mean, that does not happen by accident. I mean, he's got a lot, a lot of talent and it appears just Arkansas was just kind of a tough season with his injury. It looked like he played a little bit and then it popped up and then it played a little bit and it popped up It never really like, I guess, found some consistency in terms of kind of putting it behind him. So um, I, I like that, you know, it sounds really good that he is, you know, past that. And I think he's really eager to kind of prove that he was that kind of player 
that he was this top three talent coming out of high school, and he's going to get a chance to with the Hornets. So, um, and another thing too, Arkansas in the last couple of years has really been producing some NBA talent. They had three guys taken in the draft last night, um, and I'm looking at it now. This is the fifth straight year they've had somebody taken in the draft, um, and they've had eight guys taken since 2000. Or seven guys taken since 2019 now. So school's doing a great job of producing NBA players, and hopefully the Hornets, or it sounds like the Hornets have another one too, and Nick Smith now. couple interesting wrinkles with him. One, the connection to Arkansas, but also his head coach, Eric Musselman, who was the college head coach for Cody Martin, as well as Caleb Martin. and he, they, there's, So there's a connection there in terms of uh, the head coach from college corresponding to a head coach for a Hornets player from his college days. And, as Rob indicated earlier, Nick Smith played with Brandon Miller in the high school-slash-AAU phase of his career. Brandon is my right-hand man, man. Uh, I talk to BK here every day. Obviously, I'm going to talk to him every day now still. Um, and, uh, man, I'm just ready to get to work uh, work with him. He's an extremely good player. Been playing with him ever since I was in high school. And, um, you know, the journey continues. I feel like I, you know, do everything for a reason. So there you have it. Another connection for Nick Smith and Brandon Miller coming in here to Charlotte, both as first round picks. A second round pick that has a similar storyline and a lot of things to really be excited about. This is another name I had written down coming into draft night is Amari Bailey, a one and done freshman out of UCLA. Charlotte is able to grab him pretty late in the process, but it's a guy who had very high ratings uh, depending on what draft board you'll looked at. Uh, He goes with the 11th pick in the second round. That's 41 overall to Charlotte. He's another guy, when you look at him coming out of high school, he was extremely, extremely highly rated. He was top five in his I guess, recruiting class going into college, goes to a UCLA team, basically starts from start to finish. I think he missed one game midseason and then senior day. They let a senior start over him, but he still played normal minutes. And when it came down to the nitty-gritty tournament time for Amari Bailey, he stepped things up a notch. Averaged 11 points per game overall on the season and shot 38% from three over the entirety of the campaign. But when you just focus down to Pac-12 and NCAA tournament play, he goes up to 17 points per game and shot 46% from three and was one of the most efficient players on a team that made a very, very deep run in both of those tournaments. So uh, when it came down to to it, Amari Bailey, lights shine the brightest, and he shine the brightest. He's someone I'm really excited to see the Hornets nab at 41, and uh, he's very young. He's got a chance to be special for a long time. Looking at Amari Bailey's numbers, I think the thing that pops out to me the quickest is the 39% shooting from three-point range, uh, also averaged over a steal. Um, interesting point about kind of the similarities with Nick Smith. I think, you know, I think we always assume sometimes when you're a top three or top five high school crew you're just going to go into college and dominate and you're going to put up 20 25 points in the game and that's off to the nba and by the end of his career he kind of did yeah and but that's not always how it works i mean you go to programs and you go to a program like ucla or you go to a program like arkansas there's a lot of upperclassmen there's i think ucla ended up um i forget i think they had three guys drafted too so arkansas they actually both arkansas and ucla both had three guys drafted which was most of any school um in the draft so you go in there and sometimes you're not going to have as many shots as you had in high school you're going to be doing a different role you're going to be playing off the ball um so you might you know the numbers might not necessarily 
wow you, but you're still playing well and you're finding ways to kind of fit in and, and identify a role and, and adapt. So um, interesting kind of similarities between the two because I think that's what happened with Amari Bailey at UCLA. I think he went in and it's a veteran-laden team that um, had been to the Final Four in recent years and, and he found a role and excelled in it too. So again, similarities to Nick Smith, bigger guard, ball handler, can do a little bit of everything. Um, I think it's a great pick. It's another one that I think Mitch Kupchak said they had a lot higher than where he was picked at 41. So definitely kind of fortifying that backcourt here with a couple young guys that have a lot of potential, a lot of potential that just need just some seasoning and hopefully they'll be off and running in the NBA. One thing that I find really interesting about him, in addition to the stats, is he's someone who is used to playing with really high-level talent and has done so for a very long time. You mentioned, uh, Sam, that he's one of three picks from this UCLA team that made a deep run in the tournament, so obviously there was a lot of high-end players there and some other guys who have had very, very good college careers that he fits in well with and at times shines as one of the brightest stars. But even going back to his high school days, he played with Zaire Williams at Sierra Canyon, who was a lottery pick. He played with a couple of guys who are just going into college now that were top 10 or 15 level players. Uh, He played with B.J. Boston, who's already been in the NBA for a couple of years. And on that team... At times, he was the superstar on it. At times, he was able just to kind of fit into the mold. But either way, having experience playing with really high-level players always is a benefit because when you come into the NBA, most of the time, you're not going to be the best player on the floor. So knowing how to play with other high-end players, that is a premium asset. Yeah, I mean, went to Sierra Canyon High School. There's always a lot of pressure when you're dealing with the people that are on that roster, more or less. We can't really talk about that. But when you go back and you look at the ESPN 100 from the class of 2022, three of the names on there in the top 10 are a little familiar, according to Hornets fans. Number three, Nick Smith. Then you go to number five was Amari Bailey. And then number nine was Brandon Miller. So kind of an almost inverted draft order a little bit where Brandon Miller was the number two selection and ends up being kind of the cream of the crop, more or less, in this draft selection for the Hornets. But you got three of the top nine selections in the ESPN 100 from the 2022 high school class. And we had Paul Biancardi, of course, on the Hornets Hivecast leading up to everything like that. And he puts a lot of stock in this. He talked about all of the value there. And if Paul Biancardi's right, then I am certainly okay okay with the way that Mitch Kupchak was able to draft and of course it's up to the players to really live up to this hype and live up to these expectations but when you're evaluating talent from the high school level and they're able to translate it to the college game or whatever route they end up going to and then they take it one step further and end up getting drafted to the NBA I like those odds and I like that progression yeah that that says to me that the Hornets got really really good talent and particularly really good athleticism because a lot of time when you're looking at guys in those college rankings you're, you're not just looking at okay how much did they dominate the other high school players by or their other AAU players by you're looking at how great of an athlete might they be and become that you're kind of putting that kind of projection on them so really a great haul here for the Hornets uh, those three Amari Bailey Nick Smith Jr. Brandon Miller great call Rob Blanco all three of them were top Top 10 players in their recruiting class. All three of them will join forces with the Charlotte Hornets in the class of 2023. One more segment to go here on the HHC, our post-draft edition. Uh, It's an exciting time here for the Charlotte Hornets with all that they have brought in in the 2023 NBA Draft. 
Sam Farber, Rob Longo, Sam Purley here with you on the Hornets. Hivecast Charlotte went into the 2023 NBA draft with five picks, including the number two overall. Brandon Miller is the selection. Hopefully he is a foundational piece to a championship run in the not-too-distant future. In addition to the picks we've talked about, the Hornets selected Colby Jones and forward Mohamed Gway with numbers 34 and 39 overall, both early second-round picks respectively. And the Hornets have agreed in principle to trade the draft rights to those players to the Celtics as part of a trade with the Boston Celtics to be finalized later in which the Hornets will acquire the draft rights to James Najee, the number 31 overall pick. This is a pending deal. That's as much as we can say, so that's where we're going to leave it. Suffice it to say, all the players involved in this were very highly rated, and we look forward to talking about to whichever ones land with Charlotte at a later date. But that is the particulars and what we are uh, permitted to say at this time about that deal uh, with the other picks involved in the 2023 NBA draft that at one point did or at one point will belong to the Charlotte Hornets. Overall, the three players that come in all were part of the same recruiting class, that 2022 recruiting class. All of them were one and done, so all of them are between 19 and 20 at this hour of the night. I can't really tell how old they are, but uh, they're they're very, very young. And that was one of the questions Mitch Kupchak was asked post-draft about drafting young players, the development plan for the Hornets with these guys in particular, and the track record in general that the Hornets have had. That's why I think it's important to get players into the system. And our scouts in Greensboro, our coaches in Greensboro, if you look at their record with, you know, Devontae, the Martin brothers, Jalen McDaniels, Nick Richards, Mark, you know what I mean? They, they've done a good job, you know, drafting young talent and, you know, developing them in the G League. One other thing that Mitch threw in there is that there is obviously going to be a chance for all of these guys to compete for rotation spots, time on the floor. Um, you know, they're, they're professionals now, so they're going to get a chance at it. But the reality is typically 19, 20 year olds, it takes some time to get up to speed at the NBA level. That's part of the process. And so that's what Mitch Kupchak is talking about. That's why you have spots with your G League team, room for them to develop and, and get better as they progress towards hopefully being big pieces for teams that have big runs in the playoffs in the future. But in terms of Charlotte, end of draft day, your initial reactions here, what do you think about the young group of players that the Hornets have brought in, both in terms of what they can provide for the Hornets long-term, long runway, and the initial return on investment that the Hornets fans might be able to see come next season? Yeah, I think they uh, obviously. I think I, I, we're we're thrilled with draft night. I think you know you talk about Brandon Miller. I think can come in and make an immediate impact and uh, definitely a consistent theme across the board with the picks. You, you drafted a lot of young guys, and um, you know there it is. You know, Mitch said about kind of getting them into the system, get them you know up to speed, and then start working with them. And, and you know, we saw that last. You know. Not totally unlike Bryce McGowan's last year. Bryce McGowan's had a one and done year at Nebraska, came into the system, you know, did let's maybe like first half of the season, maybe in Greensboro, and got some opportunities to play more. And by the end of the season, you could start to really see it. Okay, the Hornets have something here with Bryce McGowan's. And I think that is kind of where they're trending uh, with some of these guys right now. As you get them into the system, start getting familiar with the terminology and players and things like that. And, um, 
you know, and hopefully it kind of takes off too. So I'm thrilled with the process or thrilled with draft night. I think the Hornets did a very, very good job in the process, bringing in a lot of guys, talking to guys at the combine, working out guys. I think it ended up being something like 120, at least working out and even more probably interviewing too. So uh, I'm excited to kind of see the first taste of these guys at, uh, or the first glance of these guys at, um, at summer league training camp. And then obviously out at summer league too, but uh, I think they got a great haul. I think there's a lot of talent here with these guys they're bringing into Charlotte too. So definitely can't wait to see it. Me neither. Rob Longo, there, there's too much tape, video, audio, and otherwise to mention of teams that thought they won draft day and it turned out, you know, three, five years down the line that a different reality had taken place. And uh, there's plenty of stuff where fan bases were concerned about certain picks across all sports. And then three, five years down the line, uh, they're buying that jersey. They're loving everything they see from those players. But so, so with that said, said winning draft day means very little compared to what Mitch Kupchak talked about in his press conference, which is you really don't know until further down the line. But in terms of the talent level of this class uh, that has been infused into this roster, uh, this probably second to none in the NBA in terms of the total haul from where these guys were rated going into their college time and where they come out together now and have a chance to grow and learn together. I'm excited about next season, but I'm really excited about what we might see from all of these players a few years down the road. And even in the current timeline right now, too, I mean, you got a guy that's the number 2 overall pick for a reason. Those guys are expected to contribute right away. You're expected to see Brandon Miller from day one really take off and do what you expect him to do. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of the old adage, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And a lot of times, I feel like sometimes there are GMs that maybe a draft doesn't go the way that they wanted to or how they panned out, but... Maybe it's not their fault. Maybe it's just the player didn't develop the way that you expected it to, or maybe they just didn't put the work in. But when you go back and you look at all three guys that the Hornets drafted here last night, you go back and you look at it, and I go back to my previous segment where I said these guys were all projected top 10 ESPN 100 back leaving high school in 2022. They put the work in to get to that top 100. They put the work in in college to get to the NBA draft, and now here they are. So to me, that just tells me that they are committed, they are willing to put that work in, and if all three hit, it is an absolute steal. It is an absolute home run by Mitch Kupchak. We already see it strike multiple times here over the last couple of seasons with those second-round picks and maybe those late first-rounders as well. Now you got a number two overall. You struck gold on the number three in LaMelo Ball. Now you're looking to strike gold on the number two with Brandon Miller again, and here we go from there. I'm with you. Brandon Miller you land the first player in SEC history. There have been some great players in SEC history to win player of the year, freshman of the year, tournament MVP in the same season, a first-team All-American as a freshman, uh, best player in college basketball available in this draft in, in many people's opinions. Then you get Nick Smith Jr., who despite all the injuries, when he was able to play consistently, put up big numbers, shot the ball really well from three, and played on a really good Arkansas team in that same SEC conference, and and then Amari Bailey, who played on a star-studded UCLA team, also had three players drafted in total. And when it got down to tournament time, they leaned on this freshman, which is saying something. He averaged 17 points per game and shot 46% from three in the combined games between the Pac-12 and NCAA tournaments. Uh, quite the haul for Mitch Kupchak. We said it a lot in the last few weeks, and Mitch we trust, and I think that trust uh, is well put in Mitch Kupchak, because this is quite the 
the class, and we'll be excited to introduce them to you later on today. They'll have their introductory press conferences today. I will, over the next couple of days and weeks, introduce you to these players as we sit down with them leading up to Summer League. We'll have post-Summer League games and lead into Summer League games podcasts. A lot more work to do, um, but this will hopefully be a day that Hornets fans and this franchise gets to look back on and say this was a real turning point where the Hornets got so much better and got some of those foundational pieces towards championships in the future. Sam Perley, Rob Longo, a very late night for us working here on the HHC, but no two guys I'd, I'd rather be trapped in a booth with than you two. Thanks for spending draft night with me. I don't know if that's sentimental or just... I might be ludicrously tired. It's been a long night. But this has been a lot of fun. (laughs) Great night for the Hornets. Great night for this organization. Thanks to you two for joining me on this podcast. And thanks to all the fans out there for tuning in. It's fun to bring these to you, especially on a night like this. For Sam Perley and Rob Longo, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We will talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. Brought to you by Senta the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.